Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today, we're joined again by friend of the podcast, me, Sam, to discuss the Star Trek news out of San Diego Comic-Con. That was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> that was my intro uh, voice. It was great. We all have an intro voice. Uh, listeners may be a little confused because we promised at the end of our Journey to Babel episode that we were going to be uh, doing an Enterprise episode next and that is recorded and ready to be edited but then there was so much news out of Comic-Con that we decided this was a bit timely. So some stuff happened at Comic-Con. So much stuff. stuff. So much stuff that I harangued you into getting me here. Yeah. I, I watched all the panels yesterday and took notes but not very detailed notes. Oh, I did not. <laughs> I, just, okay. I just watched everything unfold via social media and freaked out about it. <laughs> that too. I woke up and literally the first thing I saw was the screen cap of Seven of Nine. And then the tweet uh. right before that was the Picard trailer. And that was at my sister's house. So I couldn't really like flail or scream or anything. I saw Sam's tweets about it before I saw the trailer. <laughs> oh. I don't remember what I was doing that day but I was away from any computer or phone or anything for a big chunk of the afternoon so I missed like in real time uh, (laughs) everything happening but then I saw a tweet that Sam put up about how Data 7 and Hugh and Picard Data 7 and Picard were her favorite parts of of you know discussing them was her favorite part of star trek and i was like wait a minute <laughs> what's going on why is she talking about that i need to i need to find out what's happening immediately what a day star trek was like you know there was a lot of marvel stuff at comic-con but to me like star trek was like the big news yeah yeah they're really a lot of people in other fandoms were saying oh there wasn't much out of comic-con this year and i'm like but star trek and marvel yeah, was- i guess Star Trek and Marvel, like that day, I was just like, I I don't know what I did to deserve this day. Yeah, you <laughs> made that happen. But everything I wanted <laughs> has happened. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a generalization, but <laughs> but let's just say that there are things that happened that were made for me, <laughs> that I felt like were directed at me personally. <laughs> At this point, the only things that could make me even happier would be confirmed returns of Janeway and Beverly in Star Trek Picard and, I don't know, Alex Kurtzman going, oh yeah, we kind of made a mistake where we killed Cordwell, so I just got to pretend that didn't happen. Anyway, she's a regular now. She could, she could be a hologram in the future, you never know. I, now that I'm at a point where I'm excited about Star Trek again, I'm trying to keep my hopes reasonable. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and also with Picard, and I guess I can talk about this later, but I've all along tried really hard not to attach my hopes to any specific cameos or character arcs or anything beyond it being good. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried I'm too excited about Seven of Nine and she's only going to be in like an episode or two episodes, which would be great, but I want her to be there the entire time. Well, Jerry Ryan... <laughs> has apparently used up all of her ability to keep spoilers under wraps and said on Instagram that she was definitely in more than one episode. Great. Love it. Yes. Uh, 
and there we have Data and Hugh and Will and Deanna and at this point I'm quite confident that Beverly is back but I also think that it's sensible to keep her and to the nature of her relationship with Picard under wraps because that's what so many people are invested in. Yeah, I I agree. I, I mean, I'm wary. I don't necessarily want the entire Next Generation cast to come back, same. even if it's for cameos. But at the same time, if they're going to have, like, Data, Riker, Deanna, and Beverly show up, then I'm like, well, what about Jordy? <laughs> like, yeah, what about yeah, Worf? Come on, guys. Point where... Yeah, at a certain point, it, it becomes everybody has to come in at some point. I, I will say that, that I have seen quite a few strong feelings about the lack of Beverly. That Yeah, I'm sure. I, um, she's got to be in it. In some I know, way. Every, that's what, that's what it's, it's sort of like, she has to be in it, right? At this point, she has to be, but also at the same time, if they're, if they're being so blatant about it, it's like it's either going to be that she's in it and it's a big secret or they just don't care about her at all. <laughs> Which, right. given all of the next generation and especially the films, isn't a completely ridiculous opinion to, to you know, like, it's, <laughs> I, I worry that that could be the truth based on past experience. Yeah, but at the same time, Kristen Beyer seems like a really big Beverly Picard shipper and Janeway Chakotay shipper. So, like, your, your basic mainstream OTPs. That's fine. So, I mean, I like I Beverly, Beverly I, Picard. I, I'm going to abstain from a Janeway and Chakotay conversation. Same, entirely. same. I, too, will abstain. <laughs> but I would love to see Janeway and Picard. I would like to see Janeway. And I don't really care about her personal life. I do. I want her to be married to Seven. <laughs> if neither Janeway nor Beverly show up, it's only because they're married and to one another, living happily. Yes, yeah. to one another. That's fine. Yeah. Living, I that. living happily at the beach with their dogs. Agree. Yeah, that works. But like I said, I don't want to pin, pin all my hopes on next generation cameos. I want to fall in love with all of these new characters. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm already halfway in love with at least like two or three of them <laughs> yeah i really love that it's going to be romulans i think that's I also a really great counter to discovery being about klingons for the last two seasons klingons and vulcans yeah yeah so i i'm really excited to see like post their planet whatever that is something bad happened in them post that romulans who look like elves now because we're Thank all God. more used to elves than romulans and some of them carry swords <laughs> great i'm in i love it well, it's kind of going back to their roots because they were just, they just looked like Vulcans with a different skin palette in yes. the original series. And uh, in, in the movies, they started to basically look like mostly white people in samurai gear, which is hashtag problematic, obviously. But right. uh, it's, it's a, as purely aesthetically better than the giant shoulders of next gen era Trek. And the weird ridges on their head. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm, I've always been so mad about those. I, I do it's like just... them evolving to look more different. than Like, they've been separate from Vulcans for so long. I wouldn't Only want them to look... Years. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, long enough. We look different than people from a few thousand years ago. Yeah. But um, why, would, why would those ridges be what happened? Oh, no, I'm not saying it should be those ridges. <laughs> at just... all. 
I don't understand the evolutionary path. No, I don't understand the <laughs> science of evolution in Star Trek in any way. I don't, like, none of it makes sense to me. Something about spiders and Barkley. And, like, I just don't. <laughs> I choose to, like, ignore any rules of evolution that, that Star Trek has ever said. But I do want Vulcans and Romulans to look distinctly different. <laughs> or, or enough different that you know that, like, a Romulan can't pass for a Vulcan without um, surgery and vice versa. Which I think they did a little in Next Generation when um, Spock went to Romulus. I don't think they did. He just looked like himself. Oh, did he? It's been so long since I've seen those episodes. It's also silly. Like, that whole thing is ridiculous because Spock is the most famous Vulcan right. in, the, in the universe. So <laughs> everyone would have had to have known, especially on Romulus. Like, he's a war criminal on Romulus, so I don't understand any <laughs> we don't have to discuss <laughs> an episode that happened. Let it go into the room with Barkley and the spiders. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I kind of, I mean, I'm on the opposite and I want them to look identical and you're never quite sure which is which. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair. That's just me. Because I really like people who are doubles and stuff and yeah. are pretending and I think it's cool if you can pass. It's an interesting story. I'm kind of with Annika on this. I like the duality of them looking very similar. Uh, but, like, mannerisms should be really different. You know, the way oh, they yeah. carry That's fair. themselves yeah. and the way they style themselves. And... And, and there's a pile of Romulans in this trailer, and we only get catch glimpses of most of them, but we know at a glance that they're not Vulcan. Because most of them yes. are smiling. <laughs> <laughs> or angry or yelling. <laughs> they have a range of emotional expressions. How about that? Which is nice. I, and I never styles. And I was just gonna say and hairstyles. And yep. Not all bowl haircuts. God, those are the worst. I know. Even on Discovery, Admiral Patar had the the bowl bowl haircut fringe, and then her hair was longer in the back and pinned yeah. up. And I'm just I'm so glad to see the end of the tyranny of the bowl cut. They've really like freed themselves from that yeah. horrible hairstyle. Yeah, because it used to be that the only exception was to pole and her pixie cut. Right. Or uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Savick. Savick had different hair. Oh, yes, yes she did. Yeah. I think uh, until to pole came along, she was the last Vulcan with interesting hair. Yeah. I mean, and Romulan suffered from the bowl cut, too, back in Next Generation oh, no. Days. Yeah. So thank God that uh, this, this whole nightmarish... Nightmarish phase of Vulcan. The tyranny of the bowl cut is over. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, Eleanor actually reminded me of Kirstie Alley's version of Savick. In that yes. When, yes. when she has her hair down and she's in the white, like, karate outfit. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the turbo lift with Kirk. Yes. 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 I was like, I'm feeling a Savick here. <laughs> Which just made me love him. So. I mean, sort of interesting. I. I, I kind of that like I always loved when I was younger the idea of a Romulan Vulcan person like because they yes. had separated their races like literally physically separated their races and like to have them come back together in the form of Savick's parents I hope there's some like stuff about that not like specifically her but stuff like that with the Rom like I hope we really get to do a deep dive into Romulans the way we've gotten to do a deep dive into Klingons more with yes. Discovery with various successes and failures, in my opinion. But I want—I would love that deep dive with Romulans. Yes. Agreed, because I've always found them really interesting. 
and sometimes what we learn about them makes them seem has made them in the past seem less interesting than they should be and as much as I think Michael Chabon is the kind of literary writer who doesn't know when he's reproducing science fiction cliches I feel like he and Kirsten Beyer can do some interesting stuff here yeah I mean I think anytime you have Patrick Stewart leading your storytelling even if he's not in a scene or not in a storyline like it sort of sets a bar at a certain place and I think I think they're going to really try hard to meet that bar I hope I hope so but then I think about how much he wanted the dune buggy scene in Nemesis (laughs) okay fair like I, 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 I think he's a great actor I don't know how much I support his storytelling instincts but at the same yeah. time, he's a lot older now. And I think he True. has a pretty solid handle on Picard. And, you know, he's the one who stopped Picard from getting too stuffy and too dry in Next Gen. He was the one pushing for sex and shooting and Starship Mine and Gambit, which are yeah. some of my favourite episodes. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, nobody really knows Picard better than him. Yeah, except all of us fans who have decided on our, on our own version of Picard, in which case we are all more experts of Picard than him, but officially it's him. Isn't that just kind of the nature of uh, fandom? Yes. Very, yes. Yeah. I Very have a lot of notes. So. I'm happy to send them over to Paramount if they want to uh, take any of my thoughts. They're mostly about seven, but that's, I mean, you know. My, some of my thoughts include, I am already going to throw down with anyone who says that Daj is Mary Sue. We don't know oh, yeah. about her, but I love her. Well, <laughs> right. I mean, I have my theories, and I don't think she's going to be a Mary Sue. I mean, she seems to just sort of be the focal point of whatever their first storyline or main storyline is going to be. But that I can definitely. Mary Sue. But I can see you. I I understand your your fear that the there is a certain element of the internet that is going to call her a Mary Sue, and probably already are. Is it because yes. she's a young woman of color who can do martial arts? Yeah, yeah. Or or anything who can do or anything. anything, right? Or or showed up on screen, mm. right? But it's a funny thing. But there's a strong segment of fans on Reddit who are very very certain that she is Picard and Beverly's daughter. And I'm like, it's really? very sweet that you don't see race, but Issa Burns <laughs> is Filipina. Yeah. I mean, it's possible with some future tech they did something. Or she could be adopted. But, like, he doesn't know who she is. So why would... Yeah, yeah. Like... Yeah. Well, like <laughs> why would he not know? Right. Did, like, Beverly get pregnant and wander away? Or did she go away and adopt <laughs> a kid without telling Picard? And be like, hey, it's your kid. I mean, to me, it seems like she's, I mean, she has something to do with the Borg. This is all conjecture. Like, the fact that she can transport away mid-fall. I know people can do that anyway, but that was, like, a Borg transporter pattern. So, like, (laughs) my theory is that she is perhaps related to Picard in some way, but not necessarily genetically. Mm. Or if genetically, perhaps created by the Borg. I mean, I don't know. This is all just, like, things I wouldn't mind seeing. <laughs> it's too early to, to speculate, really, but I'm wondering if perhaps Hugh and his team of free Borg attempted to procreate, and she was the result. Right. And I mean, she that could be so it. human that they were like, eh, "Let's just slip her into a life on Earth and hope she's happy." 
also for me it's never too early to speculate i've been speculating for quite a long time <laughs> the guard, so my problem but... is that i get i get very attached to my own speculations and yeah. then i more or less start plotting fic and planning episodes and then the series comes out that's completely different and i'm a little bit disappointed and have trouble taking it for what it is oh that's fair i, I, I already have characters in my head for the animated series about teenagers commandeering a, a lost starship that's, that's uh, i would watch that that could happen i'd be fine with that it, it's literally a series that nickelodeon and cbs are making but oh. there are no characters yet there's no okay i don't think there's even a writing team yet no, well, maybe you should be on it. As an idea. Yeah. Speaking of teenagers and cameos, just to bring it back, while I don't necessarily want everybody from every show ever to show up, I would like their children to show up because that's how I am. So, like, <laughs> what's Meryl Paris? Paris up to? Yep. First thing I thought of. Or, like, I, you know, I when I saw, like... I mean, you know me. I've already I know cast Meryl Paris... And Will and Deanna's daughter, and they are roommates yep. at the Academy, sure. and probably and, dating. Great. I uh, I I love next generation, pun intended, next generations of people. <laughs> so getting to see, because like these characters, you know, people have kids. Not everybody, but lots of people do. And so like those kids are part of lives. And so if we bring people in, I would like to see a next generation. Again, pun intended. Yeah. Of, a yeah. sense that the universe you know. isn't stagnant, right? Uh, like especially because you know the original series, all we ever got was Demora Sulu, right? Which is you know, so it's and really all we all we have since then is Meral Paris, so and uh, Molly O'Brien. It, it makes it makes it seem like yes, the the I always forget the poor O'Briens. Yeah, I know. I forget that they're like in Starfleet. Like I remember that. Keiko exists, but not that she's in Starfleet. I don't know, it's weird. Yeah. Like, she's not, but you know what I mean. They, no, like, I know what you mean. I forget that, that she's Miles like a part of actually... that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what? No, they're in Deep Space Nine. They're, they're just other people. Mm. But it's, it suggests that if you are in Starfleet, you don't get to have a personal life for right. a yeah. child, which just which seems is... kind of sad. You know, it's sort of like, and like, even, you know, Wesley left. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. because he couldn't handle the Starfleet life. So it just I seems really weird. Yeah, and I, I think I've seen a lot of tweets and social media things that's like, well, Seven of Nines around, what's up with Naomi Wildman? And I'm like, that's a great question. Exactly. What's she doing these days? <laughs> I don't need to see any of these characters on screen, but it would be nice to have them name checked somewhere along the line or yeah. you know, stuff like that. Or, like, see some kind of whatever their equivalent of a picture is on a mantle. You know, something like that. Or some, yeah. some either some verbal or some imagery reference to these characters existing and having grown and having, like, done things with their lives that aren't just, okay, it was these seven years of the series. Yeah, and those seven years define your entire life for right. the rest of your existence. Right. Which they do, but <laughs> you can also move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can do other things. And one of the reasons I did not like the more recent tie-in novels, aside from all the reasons we've discussed, is that it really felt like everyone was very stagnant and people are still in close proximity together. And it just, you know, space is big. The Federation is enormous. 
some of these people are off exploring other parts of the galaxy. We don't all need to be together in the same sector or on the same ships all the time. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's sort of as much as I like these groups of people together, especially the Voyager crew, it, it it's always interesting for me to think about like, well, what, how do they stay in touch when they're not together? Like, what is it like for, I and I read a novel at some point. I don't read a lot of the novels, but I remember it was about seven because of course it was if I was reading it. And um, like it was sounds talk- fake, but okay. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was something. She was in it. I don't know if it was about her, but uh, <laughs> uh, and it was talking about like her being not around Janeway anymore, and Janeway having been this mentor for her, and her needing to like find someone to fill that immediate gap in her life, but still she can contact Janeway. It's just a different life, and I thought that was yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I think I think. Um, the nature of television in the 90s and the overall lack of turnover in casts and stuff means that we didn't really think about that. If someone was gone, they were gone, but mostly people stayed where they were. Yeah. In terms of new characters I'm excited about, I mentioned Dal, Daj, but uh, I also want to call out Rafi because I love Michelle Hurd and she seems like a morally ambiguous older woman, which <laughs> is my jam. Yeah. <laughs> There seem to be quite a few older people in this cast, which is nice. Older for Hollywood, I know. you know. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, Patrick Stewart is not young, and so she shouldn't be just hanging out with the, the youngins. They should be the like a mix, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that that's the impression that we're getting. Yeah, and I feel very much like if you want a crew of people who are going to be able to, like, go do something crazy, unknown what, like, they're going to be good at what they do, and they're not going to be a bunch of 22-year-olds. Like, the people in Star Trek weren't a bunch of 22-year-olds, you know? They were young, but not, like, crazy young. Right. Yeah, yeah. One of the most notable things about Discovery is how young the crew skewed, and I think ultimately that was because Lorca wanted a group of impressionable people he could corrupt. Yeah. So, yeah, we have very young people, like, uh, is it Agnes, Alison Peel's character, the researcher? Yeah. 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 Yes. And Daj and Elnor is the Romulan. Yes. Yes. Elnor is the Romulan. The Elven Romulan. He's, he's young. The Elven yes. Romulan. Yes. But then we have. <laughs> he's even has a, a. He even has a an Elven name. Like. Yeah. Oh, he no. has an Elven. Just... Once I found out his name, I was just very, very excited. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, then we have Cristobal and Rafi and the Lady Romulan played by Peyton List, who I think is in her late thirties. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe the Lady Admiral, who doesn't have a name yet, but she looks like Helen Mirren, so I've dubbed right. her Admiral Hel- Helen Mirren. And uh, as soon as she gets a name, I'll be shipping her with Janeway. <laughs> I just love how easy it is to ship people with Janeway. She I ship everyone ultimate, with Janeway. She's the ultimate fandom bicycle of Star Trek. And <laughs> then we have Seven of Nine, played by Jerry Ryan, who's about 50. So, yeah. Yeah, wow. Uh, I'm so excited for Seven, guys. I know I keep saying it, but I'm just real excited. <laughs> I mean, no. you know that I'm excited for Seven. Like, I <laughs> I named myself after her. I know, I know. Like, uh, should I tell the story? <laughs> Please, yeah, yes. I think this is a great time right. for the story. Okay, so my first name is Tamara, and when I was little, I was called Tammy. And I okay. grew out of that, but... It's very difficult to change your name um, when people know you by a certain name. And so it was like, it wasn't until I went to college and 
and then like got my first jobs and all, I was able to introduce myself as something else. But no one could pronounce Tamara correctly and everyone wanted to call me Tammy anyway because they were like, that's too long. That's, that's a, like a mouthful and you get upset when I pr mispronounce it, so let me just call you Tammy. Mm. So I started telling people that my name was Annika or I should say that my middle name was Annika, but I went by that. Yes. And it worked. Everybody, you know, it turns out if you just introduce yourself with one name, everyone will, will call you that, um, as long as it's reasonable. And cool. so from that point on, and that was like, it was actually right after this series ended. Uh, so it wasn't during Voyager, but it was right after Voyager. And I was building my identity as an adult. Mm. And I went to work and I said that, you know, call me Annika, that's my middle name. And uh, then not until like five years ago, I legally changed it so that <laughs> it is my actual name. And it was because of Seven. And a little bit because of Anakin Skywalker. So those are my, those are my two. Which is I, perfect. I didn't want to ask, but I did wonder. Yeah. If there was an Anakin connection. And, uh, and Dane is also, um, it's Lorna Dane, who is Polaris, which is Magneto's daughter. She has green hair. She's in the X-Men. She's like a D-list <laughs> X-Men character. She was in the Gifted. She became very, That's true. more well-known from the gifted. the gifted. Yeah. And also Alexander Dane, who was played by Alan Rickman in Galaxy Quest. That's so interesting. I love when people choose their own names, which I have never done. I love finding out the logic behind it. And I sort of hope for your sake that she is going, Seven of Nine is going by Annika by this point in her life. Yeah, I mean, either way it works because that would be her choosing her own identity. Like yeah. She, which, yeah. whichever name she decides I is her name. And so I'm good with it either way. But the fact that she gets to choose her name is very important to me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I sort of love that she is the character cut more. She is a character coming back because of all the people, like, when Voyager ended, it was like, well, Seven's future seems so wide open to, like, she's, for the first time in her life, she's not going to be bound to her parents or the Borg or this small ship of people. And, like, she yeah. literally has an entire quadrant to, like, go and be herself and discover what it means to be herself. And so to sort of see that she's kind of ended up in a place where she lets, I said, like, she lets her hair down physically, and, like, she's wearing comfortable clothing, and, like, I, know. I, I want to know what's happened to her in the last, whatever, 20 years, um, and, like, how she got from that final episode of Voyager to here, and so, because all of it is now, I hope, her choice, and that's really great for a character who, for so long, like, part of Voyager was her discovering her own agency, and Jerry Ryan was so good at it that... Yes like better than they deserved for the reason they cast her but i'm so glad she was she was amazing and like just her 15 seconds on the screen in the trailer we're just like, I'm like jerry ryan is so good i hope people appreciate how great she is and i hope this show uses her to tell right. that like whatever that story is with seven agreed absolutely and I mean, she's, I mean, she's, when you think about it, she's the perfect character to put up against Picard dealing with whatever terrible things that he's dealing with 
Like, she's exactly the right character to bring in for a story about trauma and recovery and yes, yes. the weird relationship that Starfleet has with them. Like, Starfleet, you know, I just did a study of this, and Starfleet doesn't really like to deal with people's trauma so much. Nope. And their trauma like is very to, similar. Uh, exactly. Their trauma is, 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 they have the same kind of story. They've both dealt with so many ideas of identity and loss and and family like losing the foundation for who you are and the thing is you know picard has actually been through that a lot not just his assimilation but his mind meld with sarek and his experience with the Catan probe you know he's lost his identity a bunch of times yeah and it would be really cool if this exactly. is explored beyond the borg but also with Borg stuff, because I love Borg stuff. <laughs> I'm very interested to see a modern take on Borg stuff. You know, I think the, Star Trek's always been so good at reflecting whatever our cultural fears are in the villains. Yes. And so I'm very, very curious about the villains in general in this, because I have a feeling it's going to be more than just the Borg. But um, also, like, what they're doing with the Borg now. Yeah, and I want to yeah. see, you know, I want to see... There's that, that look at the broken Borg and the uh, cube and the, like the blinky thing that says this facility has not had an assimilation in 5,000 yeah. days or whatever. And yep. it's like, wow, they're really putting a lot of little breadcrumbs here for what could be an amazing story about what happens to Borg when they're caught, I guess. <laughs> you know, when like... Are they all in prison? Do, do some right. of them get to go through a whole rehabilitation and others don't? Like, what is where do they have to make the choice? Do, do some people really wish that they could stay assimilated? Like, I'm really interested in Borg having choices. And that's why I'm sort of glad Hugh is around. Like, I was very excited to hear that he's going to be part of this in some way because I think that mm. was sort of the first real glance of like Borg and choices like he was forcibly oh, yeah. de-assimilated and then forcibly re-assimilated and it's just like but I mean obviously with the changes to him so I, I just think like Picard removed Hugh's choice from him and how is that better than being Borg yeah yes. and we you know we wouldn't really you you couldn't get seven without hugh and locutus first right no you know, no like they they, they proved they... that it could be done and so they're linked in this really interesting way and i just think it could you know as much as i want to deep dive of the romulans i also want to deep dive of the borg you know beyond this you know we're scary that mm. there's a lot of people a lot of not a lot there are certain fans that, you know, say the Borg were only scary in the beginning, up to Best of Both Worlds. And then as soon as they did Lokitas, they become less scary. And Hard disagree. I, I, or, and, and, and they say that because of that, they're less interesting. Like, they're not, they're only interesting as this, like, boogeyman. And I'm completely the opposite. I think they're most interesting in the stories, like, you know, there's great episodes of Voyager uh, where they find 
various Borg and deborgify them. You know, Seven has the longest one, but there's other episodes where there's just, you know, they're only there for one episode, and they're so interesting because there's such a variety of reactions. Experience. There, there's the the one, you know, makes oh, you cry I love like that episode. every time. <laughs> There's the three Borg who choose to be de-assimilated even though they're going to die because they'd rather be individuals and with a short life than be Borg forever. And that, you know, and there's the kids. Like, there's just so many different varieties of... the queen. And I think... Yeah. Yes. The queen is interesting. I mean, she was terrifying to me in First Contact, but she was so interesting in Voyager that I... You know, I she is like the ultimate Borg, but it is also an individual, and that's so fascinating. Right. The retcon of introducing the Borg Queen is honestly one of my favorites. And that's another thing that people complain about. Oh, they stopped being scary after they introduced the Borg Queen. No, the Borg stopped being scary after Descent. You know, I, Borg, and Descent is when they stopped being terrifying. Because they became people you know real yeah exactly they, yeah, they, yeah. they became the an actual race of being something more than just this program and they always yeah. were that we just couldn't see we it because know. we weren't yeah. looking at it and what's yeah, exactly. scarier a, a like boogeyman who just sort of hops into the scene and can't be beaten until you find the one MacGuffin that will beat them or a complex race of people with other with just opposing viewpoints and opposing desires as a species. Like, that's way yeah. scarier to me. That's why I really want there to be some Borg who just really want to be Borg. Like, yeah. I just, I have this incredible desire for people who choose to be Borg. Mm. And they're the but real I also, villains. I also wondered if there might be Romulans who choose to be assimilated because they've lost... They've lost their planet. They've lost this connection with their culture, and they're essentially refugees in a quadrant where they're not trusted. And maybe being a hive mind would be a relief after Absolutely. that loss and loneliness. That's what um when <laughs> when I was watching, and I was going through a dark period. We'll say I was very depressed when Voyager was on, and yes. there were definitely days where I was just thought that being a Borg sounded like the best existence because I wouldn't have to make any decisions. I wouldn't have to deal with any overwhelming emotions. I would just be taken care of. I would belong somewhere, you know? It would just, they sounded like such a relief, exactly. Like, yeah, just instead of being a refugee, to life or as the Romulans, you know, not, if you deal with a loss on that scale and you're a survivor of it, like. Yeah, how do you deal with that? It's just the emotions would be so much (laughs) and getting a respite from them would probably sound really attractive. Yeah, and I feel like this could turn into a really, uh, ugly story about refugees and radicalization but yes. since I made it up in my head I am not going to stress about that yet except to wonder if there are also Romulans on Vulcan going yeah we're gonna try logic because we're really sad so we're gonna you know yeah teach just... us teach us how to not have feelings please right like the destruction of Romulus could have so many effects like 
I could see Romulans going to all parts of the Alpha Quadrant and like more Romulans joining the Federation and you know mm. like or joining Starfleet and like you have these other refugee Romans, Romulans and like ones who go to Vulcan and like that's super interesting like going back into the fold of the logic people mm. who they left in the first place or like Romulans going to the Klingon homeworld and being like yeah we can fight and like we have no homeworld and like let us fight with you because yeah. we're warriors too like we totally have honor yes exactly and I think you know I I think it sort of opens up the Romulans to do a lot of different things that mm. they couldn't do before. Yeah, because they were stuck in in their box, in their Romulan yeah. box. Yeah, and I'm sure that they are. You know, some Romulans are still out there scheming, doing politics, and all those great Romulan shenanigans. But <gasps> when your totalitarian society is completely destroyed by a natural disaster, your people can go anywhere. Maybe there are Romulans on Bajor going, well, you guys used to be refugees and you've taken us in and that's really cool. And hey, your gods actually exist out there in the wormhole. So uh, how do you become a Vedic? Yeah. Can I get my ear pierced now? <laughs> well, my, when you said uh, they're still out there scheming instead of the Bajorans, I went to the Cardassians. And yeah, I was like, yeah, I thought oh, that the too. Romulans that joined up with the Cardassians. That would be so good. <laughs> yeah. I just love the idea of them being this absolute wild card. And any Romulan you meet, you basically have to take at face value because there's no government for them to represent. They're just all pursuing their own agendas for good or for ill. Right. It frees them up from the sort of baggage of our preconceived notions of what a Romulan is. Yes. Yes. I think that's just so cool. Yeah. One of the notes I took watching the panel was, uh, I think it was Kurtzman saying that this will be slower and more character-based than TNG or Discovery. That's interesting. I mean, TNG and Discovery are so different from each other. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, seems weird to compare those two, as, but I think Discovery is pretty character-based, especially in the second season. I don't know. I guess it depends on how you look at it. Yeah, I think I think the main comparison was with with TNG, and I'm very excited about that because I think you know TNG had these amazing characters, but the serialized, I'm sorry, the episodic nature of the storytelling meant that we couldn't really take them for granted, uh, take them for granted, explore them. I'm sorry, it's early here. It's okay. It, yeah, I'm. I saw that Patrick Stewart described it as a ten hour movie. I feel like describing your TV series as a movie is such a cliche. <laughs> but what I think what he meant was that I think that that the character based is the same yeah, idea. Yeah. So that so that every, in one episode you're not going to have this, you know, five act <laughs> Yeah. Um, right. And and ABC story structure like that that's not going to be there that it's going to be about we're we're investigating this thing with these characters and we it continues to the next episode yeah. and, you know each each episode is just made up of scenes instead of plots does that make sense yeah so yeah. that's it's not what... going to be picard goes to an archaeology conference while back on the ship elna learns how to cook a human dish <laughs> I, I would enjoy that, that though yeah <laughs> oh yeah i'm 100 percent here for Eleanor learns how to cook a human dish. <laughs> well, that sort of lets us transition to Lower Decks, which was described as focusing entirely on that sort of character B-plot story while 
the bridge crew, who are not the main characters but think they are, deal with the science Whatever fiction. Whatever else is going on. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I'm kind of wary but curious. I, you know, when they first announced the idea of Lower Decks, I don't, I don't watch Rick and Morty, and I don't want to make the internet mad about why I don't watch Rick and Morty, but, like, I, I have been told by many, many people that I would appreciate the sense of humor of Rick and Morty, so I, I was like, okay, a Star Trek comedy mm. with a sense of humor that might, and I, I mean, Lower Decks is one of my favorite episodes of Next Generation, and the idea of exploring the lives of these people we would never talk about in a regular show is delightful i think they sort of deserve mm. better than a cartoon comedy and would love them to have like a real not that this isn't a real show but like me personally i would enjoy a live action show of varying tones <laughs> etc but um yeah i mean i when i saw sort of when they released the character image images i was like okay i mean okay i'm gonna try it out <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never watched Rick and Morty because I hate the fandom. Okay, so you made the internet mad, and now I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but yeah. I suspect that if I watched it, I would really love it. Because that's, I love yes. Archer, and that's sort of inappropriate, so right. shocking Same. workplace. <laughs> yeah. This is where I say that I'm a huge animation snob, so the internet can definitely be angry with me. Because <laughs> oh, no, no. I don't like anything. You like Clone Wars, right? I love Clone Wars. Okay. I love Rebels. I have not seen Resistance because it's not available yet on right. things that I can watch. But I probably love Resistance too because I really like Dave Filoni's take on those characters and I really mm, love yeah. those characters. So I will watch Lower Decks, assuming uh, it's on it's on. It'll CBS, be on All right? Access, okay. yeah. So I will watch Lower Decks. And, you know, I'll certainly give it a try. I do not, I have no idea if I'm going to like it. I am not a fan of comedy, and I'm an mm -hmm. animation snob. <laughs> and I've definitely never seen Rick or Morty or, like, anything on Nickelodeon because I just don't do Nickelodeon. I have seen, like, an episode of Archer, and I really was not here for it. So. <laughs> well, I love Archer. <laughs> I, I, again, I'm not funny. <laughs> and, I mean, you um, are funny, but yes. I was going to say, you're very funny. <laughs> okay. No, I understand. You don't like, not I liking comedy specific... and not being funny are different things. Right. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I'm, I, I love dramedies. Yeah. <laughs> but a sitcom, it really has to be a very specific sit in order for me to get the calm. Does the lower decks sit? Do you think that'll do it for you? I, I'm cautiously optimistic in that I also really love lower decks and I like the idea of not knowing what's going on and yeah. dealing with it anyway. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I, I worry that it's actually going to be they are a part of the A-plot every week, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't want that. I, I want there to be an A-plot, and we aren't really sure of what's going on. Like, we're not really sure of it. We're just, like, the, the grunts. <laughs> but I right. don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm, like, I'm, I'm concerned that one of these four characters is going to end up being, like, Wesley Crushered into yeah. the crew. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Did you see his pitch for the show that he wanted to do a show about the person who brings the yellow cartridge that makes a banana to the replicator, like who's like behind the no. wall putting that yellow cartridge in? Yeah, that made me like it 
the idea of it yeah it's like just this rando who's like ah we're out of banana cartridges and brings the banana cartridge up to the mess hall um and then goes back to whatever they're doing and that's what i really like you i hope it's that i don't i don't want them to fight klingon because i know this is set in sort of a post next generation very close to next generation or very close to end of voyager world or something like that yeah, um, a couple of years after Nemesis. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I don't, I, I agree. I, I like, I love, one of the reasons I love animation is because it can do things that live action cannot. Mm. Um, yeah. like I mean, have for example, <laughs> exactly, all of the all of the aliens are represented because they can do that much easier yeah. in animation. I'm totally, like, already in love with the Orion girl and oh, the yes. Cashin doctor who, like, looks like Grumpy Cat. Yep. I'm super into Grumpy her. Cat Doctor. Like, that yeah. is going to be my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, I think she and the captain, I'm just going to ride hard for them. And oh, oh, the series is not actually about them. Whoops. <laughs> no, yeah, that's I always think the, me. The, the Orion, like, the description of her, I forget her character's name, but uh, the description of her was like, she's just real psyched to be here. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> I exactly. too am really excited to be here if I'm on a starship. <laughs> Wait, like, I mean, like, let's be real. I would not be on the bridge crew of a starship. <laughs> right. I would be the right. person bringing the banana cartridge. Exactly. You're the banana cartridge person. Right. <laughs> so, yes, I am cautiously optimistic to borrow a phrase from The Simpsons, another animated show. I am cautiously yes. optimistic. As a general rule, I don't enjoy the animation style of American animated comedies. I'm more of an Avatar The Last Airbender I mean, that's style American. animation fan. I know, but that's not a comedy. Oh, no, it's not a comedy. Right. And, and like, even Shira on Netflix, the, mm-hmm. the animation style is a bit too cheap for me. But I like the art, and I like Star Trek, and I feel like I can tolerate an art style I don't love for 20 minutes if I like the characters and find it amusing. It doesn't yeah. even need to be funny for me. Just amusing is enough. I mean, I, I again, I'm an animation snob. And so even, like, uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, like, I, I have ranted for 20 minutes going on the fact that Anakin's hair does not move in Rebels. I mean, in uh, in Clone Wars, like, ever. It tries He's to in Rebels? Easy. What? Yeah, no. Well, he is well, in Rebels, but you don't see his well, hair. Well, yes, you don't see his hair. The most horrifying thing to come out of the Lower Decks panel. Apparently Alex Kurtzman listens to Star Trek podcasts. Oh dear. <laughs> Hi Alex. Why well, is not a problem? That's not a problem. Well, I feel like if he had listened to our, our, our podcast, he would not have fobbed <laughs> off my friend Jules's question about the erasure of the diverse crew in the end of the Discovery finale. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's tough. Like, I... I... I'm... Okay. <sighs> yeah, uh, can I, I have mixed I say, feelings on that. Can I say one thing about uh, Discovery Season 3 since we're here? Okay. Yeah. So yes. The, the new character that has been introduced, right? Book. Book. Yes. Sorry, I watched Firefly. I can't do it. a black man. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So it just sort of plays into the idea that they left, that they, like, went to diversity land mm. and they like they're in took... such a tough spot it's just really it because it's like great they, like i i he i like him already i'm into it i want michael to have like a cool new friend slash love boyfriend interest, totally already <laughs> stripping them but 
I also just don't like this weird feeling that they shoved all of the diverse characters into, into the future, but the future they, because like it's okay for them to be there. Had to. I mean, they had to, right? They're like bound by canon, and that canon was created by people in the '60s and then the '80s. Like, it's they. But there shoved... was no problem with canon. Like... Uh, I mean, I I sort of like, yeah. I mean, I I I agree that it's sort of like bad. I hate using this word optics, but like, they're really these people didn't exist, and I guess it's fine for them to keep existing and get erased from existence or to change canon in some other way. But they sort of made that call. Like, I, you know, I think... I don't know. It's so complicated because, like... <sighs> a Hispanic person didn't exist in this world until Next Generation. And so then, like... The original series fobbed that off on the future. And we're just sort of living in the... It's just so hard because it's, like, separating the time in which people are making the show and the sh time in which the show is set. And I just Yeah, and I think the racism of the 60s is not canon that's worth preserving. Right. It's not. I I agree I agree. I just think like And it's weird because they didn't preserve the sexism. I yeah. mean, you know, I mean which I mean good. Yay. Good that they didn't preserve the sexism, but since they made that choice to make that different why yeah. is it okay to preserve the racism and the like our only gay people are also in the future yeah that's that's well what i mean just me off. dax dax is not a straight person <laughs> um i mean i know we laugh but like she's not that was important to me when i was a teenager oh it's hugely um, important to a lot of people right um but, but it's just a special case no i agree to... it is a special case but i mean what I guess what's the alternative? I don't love that they're jumping a thousand years into the future, but like, what what was the alternative from a story wise? Like, f like to rewrite the canon and have Discovery having existed the entire time? I mean, they sure. have existed the entire time. Yeah, there's no problem it. with that. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I think a ship that could jump from one point to another is a huge problem for canon. They've done it before. I like. You know, obviously the the answer is you don't make it a prequel. <laughs> right. No, which is what I said when they first announced it was a prequel. I was like, eh? But also, isn't, like, George O still around? Like, she's still around. And... Right? No, she's, she's in not, the she's... future. Like, oh, I'm she's not in the future. How are they going to do she her show? She went to the future. That I, you know, I'm beginning to think her show isn't going to happen. Because yeah. they are very... Yeah. Quite about it. Fair. <laughs> But it's, I, I don't know, like, I saw a picture of Ash Tyler, which I assume is like a um, promo from season two, mm. and he just, he looked so good as a TOS Klingon. Like, he looked exactly like a TOS Klingon. Yeah. And I was just like, they could have done so much with this, with... Like they 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 almost made this amazing story about the TOS Klingons and and the Discovery Klingons and how Ash Tyler represents both, and they yeah. just didn't. They just yeah. 
left him in the past and he's not like he's not important he's not even in season three and who knows what's going on and like it just there's so many missed opportunities is how what it feels like to me it see it feels like they could have combined new canon and old canon in interesting ways yeah and instead they chose to split them up i and i'm less interested in that yeah and certainly when Julia asked, asked Kurtzman about it at Comic-Con, his answer was like, oh, no, Discovery is still going to be a really diverse show. You know, that's really important to us. And she's like, that's, that's kind of not what I asked. So awkward. Yeah. I mean, I think I don't like the time jump. I never like time jumps, especially thousand-year time jumps because there's so many, like, too much changes. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I think that Romulans and Vulcans shouldn't look alike, I think that if you jump a thousand years in the future, you shouldn't even be able to communicate. So, like, there's that. Um, but I, I think they were very much stuck in a lot of ways. And, like, I, I wouldn't have minded a melding of canons, but where they decided not to do that, I don't know. I mean, I think it's very difficult like... to... <laughs> It also would have been easier if they made Michael a daughter of other Vulcans and not Sarah and Amanda. Yes. I mean, they really set their... They backed themselves into a story corner in many, many, many ways. And, like, I remember, though, when they announced that Christopher Pike was going to be a big part of season two, I was like, oh, God, no, please. I don't care. Stop doing this stuff. I'm not interested in his story. I'm not interested in seeing another white dude on the bridge of the ship. Boo! And I loved it. It's like my favorite storyline in all of Star Trek. So, I, I, I guess after season one, they had I had no high hopes. Not hopes. That's not the right word. But like, I didn't want to give them any slack. But after season two, I feel like I don't mind giving them slack. If you can go forward, you can go back again. And just that's true. Just because they didn't I mean, say they're going back doesn't mean they're not going back. I well, was with them us. in season two until the last episode. Until the last yes. 15 minutes of the last episode. Like, no, I, was, I know. I was totally on their side, and then it just felt like a slap in the face. Yeah. So that's that's the, like, it just, uh, yeah. I don't like using the word optics either, but the optics were bad on the yeah. end. And the fact that it, it ended without even seeing Discovery. Like, we, we ended on... Enterprise, and I was just like, you know what? Yes. No, I'm not into yeah. this. You killed my admiral. You you deleted Michael's yeah. existence from her family, and now we're and you and you shade Spock's beard, and I'm not into any. Do you of think? This. Do you think Picard knows about Michael because he mind melded with Sarek? I I think he like, does. I want all I want is like one mention of the fact that he knows who Michael is and cares. Yeah. Like, yeah. just one tiny moment. Because, and then, like, he brings her back and, you know, he tells, like, the story of Discovery or something. Like, I would... I would I forgive mean, a lot <laughs> if, right. if they were reintegrated into canon. Yeah. And they are at a point in, like, the TV and movie and entertainment landscape where they can create this connected Star Trek universe, which has always existed, but was much more about, like, a crossover episode, and then we forgot everybody else is part of this universe. But I think yeah. that's not the way we tell stories anymore, so it's, it's possible. I don't know. I don't know either. No, I But agree. I do like that the panel was called the Star Trek universe, because they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna be like the MCU, and we're gonna be, right. you know, like, 
we're we're telling you know how like I I know that everybody is against all like oh everything is just a reboot and a remake and a and a spin-off and, and I'm against that but I love it. I am 100% for here for all of this expanding every fandom. Like Yeah, I, and modernizing it. It lets us modernize so, things. The fat like all of the anthology Star Wars stuff, all of the Star Trek universe, like I just want more of it. I just, yeah, I, I mean the Marvel TV shows. I'm psyched for that. Like absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's, I agree. It, because it's not the same old story. They're not just telling the same stories over again. Even mm. even the Disney remakes of their animation as live action, they add something. Even the ones that are the most beholden to the quote-unquote original which is obviously not original like right i'm sorry cinderella <laughs> is like from the 1100s or whatever so it's not but anyway they add things to it and they they change things and i just i i don't understand the people who are against it yeah, I, I mean, just don't find them very interesting, but I also feel that way about a lot of Disney stuff right now. So who knows? I, that's like, fine. I'm not opposed. I, I mean, the Disney stuff. Like, obviously, every like I just said, you know, Lower Decks is not going to be my favorite Star Trek. Like I could already tell you that because it's not going to be everything that I want in a Star Trek just because I have these issues, you know. Mm. And that's okay. I can still enjoy it or not enjoy it and and decide not to watch it. Like. I you don't have to like every Disney movie. I don't have to like every Disney movie, even though I'm uh, a huge think... Disney fan. It's like I, it's okay to be lukewarm on something, and and somebody else might love it. Like, why is that a problem? I just don't understand this. Everything ha you have to love or hate everything. That's kind of where I am, and I think it's so cool that we have enough Star Trek now that. You know, you can yeah. go, oh, yeah, that one's not really for me and skip it or just give it a lower priority. And that's fine. And it's not so, you know, I think a lot of the hostility towards Discovery will fade because people yes. who aren't into that kind of storytelling or, you know, women of color might have short tricks about the Enterprise crew instead. I, I'm, although if they didn't I'm watch Discovery, they're not going to really get the, these versions of the Enterprise crew, but whatever. Yeah, sucks to be them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, like, we've never... There's never been a period in time where there have been three Star Trek shows at the same time, has there? No. Uh, because... Yeah, no. so, there's been two. Next Generation not... ended... Right, yeah. It was, there right. was overlap mm. between Next Generation Deep Space Nine and there's overlap between Deep Space Nine and Voyager, but right. it wasn't at the same time. And also, they're so dramatically different. Right. You know, uh, I, think, I think that's going to be really cool. So yeah, this is an exciting time to be a Trekkie, and I'm kind of cynical about the fact that most of the writing teams for these shows are largely white and largely male, and, you know, we have all of these series, even Lower Decks, seems to have a lot of women of colour in their cast, but yeah. it's not really lifting or providing opportunities for creators of colour, particularly women, no, particularly wanna... women of any race, I'm and that's disappointing. In that, like, so with the short tracks, there are six new ones, and mm. two of them are animated, but are not Lower Decks or the 
Nickelodeon film. They're like completely separate, and I'm really interested in who's behind those. Me yeah. too. Like, I, that's like because a short track is definitely where you could give someone who isn't a big name or isn't like you could throw it to one of us, for example, and say, "Hey, <laughs> you know what Star Trek story do you want to do you want to tell?" Oh. Because it's it's like it's just this 15 minute little mm. thing. It's it's its own little capsule, you know? And I feel like I'm really into the short tracks and I want there to be more of them. I want there to be more I experimentation. Agree. Like and and see what hits, you know? Like it's not a a big like you're not risking a lot, but you could yeah. come up with something amazing that everybody falls in love with and, and then you may end up making, you know, a 10 episode series about it. Like, yeah, it's, it's it could be interesting. I I think animation. There's so many women of color and queer people and people of color out there making animation, and it. I mean, that's one of the things in Sheer's favor. I think is that they sort of are pulled mm. from that community, and like. You're right. You can give someone a chance to do 15 minutes, relatively low budget, and just sort of see what sticks. Yeah. You could do that even for non-animation, just for a 15-minute live action. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, hey, tell it, you know, you've got this amount of time and this budget. Tell your story. That's where the, all the original, like, tie-in novels came from, where right. they were like, hey, Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it, this is a, there's precedent. And yes. they should but lean not, into that instead of, like... There's not just precedent in Star Trek. There are Ava DuVernay hires women and women of color to direct every episode of Queen Sugar. They, you know, and yes. she does that on purpose. And she's like, I don't care if you haven't heard from them uh, of them. Like that's not mm. what interests me. And like yes. I, th- these people exist, and it's really it should be part of the responsibility of Star Trek being Star Trek of all things to exactly. lift up those voices, those creative voices. Yes. Exactly. And uh, Hanalee Culpepper was on an episode of Women at Warp recently and she talked about that to an extent and that the showrunners do work to address the, the gender balance in directors and so forth. And I think that's really good. But I also think that um, they can do more. Yes. Well, they can always do more. But, yeah. I mean, I, you know, uh, Robert Duncan McNeil, someone asked him if he was ever going to direct an episode of Discovery, and he said, you know, they're not looking for people like me, and I think that's great. And people yes. were, like, so him. angry about it. They were like, oh, oh you should definitely get a shot. You know, you're, you're oh, you're, you're a Star Trek guy, so obviously you should. And he was like, you missed my point entirely. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what I said yeah. was, other people deserve this. And I am supportive of that. Like, it was so... Yes. I was just, like, disgusted. Like, I was thrilled with his response, and I was disgusted at the outcry. Because... Yes. He's okay. Like, he's fine. He, he's yeah. getting jobs. It's not like he's not out there directing. And... Right. And, uh, you know, like, it's great for other people to have these opportunities because that's the only way that we can get rid of the pipeline of only this type of person, you know, yes. gets the experience necessary to get the job. Like, 
there's only one way to combat that, and that's by giving the other people the job. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's about time to wrap up, if I'm going to get this edited in time, but there was something Sonequa said on the disco panel that made me think of the discussion that we were having around diversity and erasure, and she said, shout out to the marks, that will never be erased. And I'm like, Sonequa, I love you. She's so, like she's such a cheerleader for them, though. Like she is really out there pushing. Oh, yeah. Like she's yeah. saying, like, look, we are going to be both within the canon and without the canon, and it's going to be great. And I, and she gets me excited. Like she just her yeah, force of personality gets me 100% ready for season three, even though I'm still angry <laughs> about season. I mean, seven. at the end of the day, the discovery still exists. I know it was erased from the Federation records, but maybe that's a story there. How many things have we erased from our own histories, right? And yes. like, you know, and so, but the discovery still exists and those people still exist in this universe. And it's, it's that whole dichotomy between us viewing it outside as TV viewers and then the world inside. And like, mm. you know, we have erased so many cultures from our history and so many people from our history like things we're just discovering now you know i it's like i have to do it because i'm me but like gentleman jack right there's the story of this woman and they didn't know about her she was erased from history essentially because nobody wanted to talk about her because she was a lesbian and like they find her diaries it takes years to get them translated from her code and now there's a show about her and people know about her and i just think like the discovery was erased from Star Trek's history, but not our history. Like, she's, they're not in the Federation anymore, but we still have them and they are still canon to us. Um, and I think those stories don't seem like they're going to end based on the way they're casting and things like that. That's very true, and I agree. But I think what troubles me is that the erasure itself is treated as something heroic and right done by characters we're meant to admire. Right. And that's right. That's I got fair. Angry. Yeah. 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 I'm, just, I'm still annoyed that it was Spock's idea. Like, I'm just like, yeah. you didn't, you could have made it an order from evil Starfleet admirals, and I would have been less upset. Yeah. Right. Just because no, it wouldn't be Spock, it wouldn't be Sarek and Amanda agreeing to forget their daughter. Like, not talk about her outside of themselves like that's just so screwed up on so many levels on because i was so excited and i'm still like so i love the fact that they were this adopted family of weirdos like it's just mm. it's a really important to me that they have this connection that michael and Sarek were closer than Spock and Sarek was really important to me. And this erasing that, you know, having Sarek, like it makes Sarek even more tragic and even more screwed up. And like, that's, I guess, great character building because I have a Sarek thing, but it's not what I want for but him what or cost? for Michael. You know, I don't want either of them to have to deal with it. And it, it just like I'm I'm mad. It makes me mad at Picard not saying Michael's name in an episode that was written, like <laughs> like twenty right. years, like whatever. No, I, I agree, and like, I, I am 
I am much more upset about Michael being erased from her family than I am about the discovery being erased from the record of the Federation. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's just really, it's just this, you know, all I want is the new special edition of the episode Sarek where yeah. Patrick Stewart says Michael's name in the list of people that Sarek loves. Like, I mean, they could do it. It wouldn't be hard. Exactly. We have Sir Pat Stew. We have James Frayne. We can make it happen. I mean, they can make it happen. So, yeah. I'm, and, and so, like, it's just, it, it feels personal. Again, I, when I was in fourth grade or whatever, and I had to say that my birth name was my middle name, it's like an adoptive family that is close and good and respected is important to me. And yes. So I, I just want to see it treasured. And, you know, it's, it's the same with Star Wars, too. Like, I want the Organas to get their story told because that's important to me. And yeah. I get, you know, in Once Upon a Time, like, <laughs> the, the, Regina's relationship with Henry is important to me, and it's screwed up, and it's just like, why, why is every adoptive story have this, like, tragedy yes. associated with I, it? <laughs> like, a hundred percent, I, one million percent, and much, like I said, I mean, that, I want Michael to be part of Spock's family for all of the things that already happened, like, just, I want it to be a conversation when Spock is recuperating between Star Trek 3 and Star Trek 4. Like, that would be great, yes. too. Yes. But, like, I and, I, and I will reiterate what I said when we were discussing it, you know, back in. I love the fact that Michael is the one who tells Spock to go find someone to, like, open up to and connect to. And that's obviously Kirk. Like, right. it's very clear in the episode that that's what they're saying and I love that but the fact that he never told Kirk about Michael is like really upsetting to me (laughs) I just you you can't have it both ways and they're really trying to I kind of hated that bit because it wasn't intentional but for me it tied into the racist trope in fandom of um, reducing the black female character to matchmaker for the white dudes oh well maybe yeah, it was Uhura <laughs> which I will say Spock and Uhura is still my favorite ship of any TOS characters and I don't care that I get a lot of hate for that and I've like gotten literal yeah, it like, blows my mind how much hate you get for Spock that. and Uhura but whatever I think they're amazing and they belong yeah. together in every universe so bye and on that happy note i'm going to wrap up and start editing all right thank you for having me oh you're welcome do you want to tell us where we can find you online again uh sure i am on twitter at retconning and that's pretty much the only place i'm on tumblr too but i'm not really super active there so twitter at retconning is the best place to find me it's true there's a lot of gentleman jack feelings so much (laughs) Thank you for listening to Antimatterpod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com, including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. You can also find us on Twitter at at antimatterpod. Sometimes we post cat pictures and questions for our audience. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. Or 
just tell your friends we're great. Join us next week when we're going to finally post our Enterprise episode, and then a couple of weeks after that, we're going to be joined by special guest Jules to talk about religion in Star Trek. <laughs>